Well, you go over to John 16, and uh, you know we just made that confession that we we hear, we believe, we say, and we do. And the doing of the Word of God involves three specific areas. I want to just remind you: the first one is the plain teachings of Scripture or the foundations of the Word of God. If we don't do the word that we say and we believe and we hear, then we're not really operating in faith. Say it with me. Faith people do the word. But they also pay attention, number two, to the dictates and the urgings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we get up every day. We want to do the word of God as much as lies with us. We're obeying the word of God as we understand it in that moment. Uh, but then throughout the day or the week or the month, God is prompting us to take action, to say something, to do something, to minister, to give, to sow, to serve. And if we're not doing what he says or prompts us to do, then we're not actually keeping the principle of doing and we're not walking by faith. So it's not just the plain foundations or the teachings of Scripture. It's what you and I are being prompted to do. You know, wherever you and I go, we carry the presence of God. We carry the anointing of God. We carry the power of God, and we literally are His hands extended. So imagine there's some you know, young mother with two or three kids. Maybe a husband died in, in battle, or maybe the husband walked out, or whatever the case may be. She's in need, and she's a believer and crying out to God. And you cross her path at the grocery store, cross her path over there at the gas station, and the prompting you know, isn't written in Scripture, thou shalt go to pockets and pay for her gas. It doesn't say that. Thou shalt uh, put your battle armor on and go to Walmart and pay for her groceries. It doesn't say that in Scripture. But you're sitting there and you're aware because you're being prompted of the Holy Ghost to step in and help somebody. You don't know the backstory. All you know is the urging of the Spirit is there. What do faith people do when there's an urging of the Holy Ghost? They do it. Because at that moment, you just aren't a Christian. You become the answer to their prayer. And when we don't respond to promptings and urgings, needs are left unmet. God is not able to get across what he wants. He said, well, God can just speak, and and this is how it works. You can just go, poof, there's some groceries. But guess what? I don't have that poof anointing. (laughs) And money doesn't grow on trees, does it? But you and I are his channel. His channel for the anointing, his channel for ministry, for encouragement, for practical needs being met. That's why every time, you know, I've ever been involved where, where I felt prompted to do something, whether it was material, financial, whatever it is, every single time, everybody say every single time. Every single time I've heard these words, thank God or praise God or I was just praying about that. Do you see what I'm saying to you? That somebody was praying on one end of it and you were just minding your business going through your life from day to day over here and God put the two together because you obeyed the promptings and the urgings of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Because all of my assignments aren't written in Scripture. All of your assignments aren't written in the Word. We're to keep the Word of God. But the specifics from day to day are are basically given to us by the Spirit of God. Those that are led of the Spirit, the Bible says, are the sons of God. So say it with me. The foundations of the Word of God, the promptings and urgings of the Holy Ghost, and the third area is in the conviction of the Holy Spirit on your conscience. Hmm? I got one amen and a bunch of omis, so... Look at somebody by faith and say, I'm really going to enjoy this message. Come on, say it by faith. I am really, really, really going to enjoy this message. I've made up my mind. I've made up my mind. No matter how my toes feel, I'm going to really, really enjoy this message. <laughs> Why? Because if And listen to me carefully. The conscience of the human being is the focus of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If we're trying to honor the Word of God and obey the urgings of the Holy Ghost, but then we ignore His conviction, we're not operating as faith people. 
faith people obey the word, they obey the urgings, but they also obey what their conscience is telling them to do. Amen. And that's the part that God actually deals with when it comes to things we're supposed to do, maybe we're not, or things we're involved in that we should not be involved in. Real quickly in John 16, I'm going to read this to you. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. But if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and, uh, and judgment. Now listen, in the context of telling you he's going to convict us, he calls him our helper. When you're convicted, it helps you. It does not harm you. Are you here today? And I want to encourage you that in understanding that the conscience is the focus of the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the health of our conscience is a primary indicator of how healthy we are spiritually. Yep. If the conscience isn't functioning right, we're not healthy. I don't care where we go to church, how many times we go to church, how much we say we read the Bible, what we do for Him, how many membership cards we've got, how many churches we've been to. If our conscience is not healthy, there's something wrong with us spiritually. And I see right now in this country that we need people to get saved, of course. We need people to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. We need people to get healed physically, yes. mentally, emotionally, in every realm. But there needs to be a work done on the conscience of the Christian in this nation. Amen. I've been asked more times as a pastor, well, how did we get here? How did we get here? Just a handful of people sued to get prayer out of schools, and they won. Just a few people didn't like the Bible being read in the schools, and they won. And where were the Christians when this was going on? Not a peep. And don't depend on the American Civil Liberties Union to support Christian endeavors. They only support civil liberties if you're on the right side of ideology. So they don't care about us one iota. That's why Jay Sekulow created the American Center for Law and Justice, so that people like us would have a voice in the highest courts of the land. We did nothing. In 1973, when Roe v. Wade was, was actually supported and passed, you and I in the body of Christ was uh, uncharacteristically silent. Now, thank God the tide is turning, but there are an awful lot of Christians for their day-to-day -day lives, their conscience is not working, and that's why they allow things to happen. Now, I, you know, I'm not a traveling minister, so I can't come in here and preach a tough message and just leave. So whatever I do say, I've got to live with it. And that's okay because I know what the calling and I know what the anointing is. But I'm just telling you that when, when somebody that says they're a Christian and they've been touched by the love of God can gossip about another Christian with impunity, you have a conscious problem. Your conscience should bother you to say anything about anyone in a negative context. Unless you're talking directly to them, I care about you, I want to share this with you. But when you go outside of talking to God or to that person, you should have a pang of, of consciousness in here. You'd be amazed how many Christians in the body of Christ, they, they love God, they, they want to do right, but somebody left them the impression that sexually they can do anything they want to do and it's okay with God. You'd be amazed how many people shacking up in the body of Christ. You ought to feel what? You ought to have a pain in your conscience about violating the Word of God. But can I tell you something? There are an awful lot of people in the ministry today they are more concerned with having people in the seats than they are transforming the ones that are in the seats. Because you can't get what you don't preach. And when you're focused so much on God loves everybody and he's tolerant towards everybody, don't ever mistake that he is tolerant towards our sin because that is a lie from the pit of hell. Tolerance and love for people no matter where they are because you and I have been there, but not tolerance for the sin that we carry thinking that's okay. And when we don't address things and we don't deal with things, we can't have people who have an active conscience. And so it gets worse and worse and worse. I mean, I knew a man who every year, you know, he refused to, to pay taxes because of what the government does with it. Well, I remember Jesus saying something like, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. A Christian tax cheat should feel guilty for doing that. I lost the rest of you. 
saying I pay my taxes. <laughs> no, we don't agree everything they do. But on the other hand, you have a very strong and protected nation because we heavily invest in defense and security. And you just take that for granted because you wake up at a free nation. It can be taken away from you any time. Yeah. Amen. So don't just see all the wrong. Also see the agency of good things that are done as well. When there's a crisis in the world, you know who God sends to help the people out in the world? This nation. It's people, it's military, it's money. When something happens terrible in an, in an Islamic country, do you know who goes to help? It's not the Islamic countries. It's those who are grounded in what? Deep compassion and love, not just for ourselves, but others. So I get that. But a, a, a plethora of things that Christians, maybe even at one time in their life, would not allow their conscience no longer bothers them. In other words, the tenderness of the conscience has been compromised over time. And I can't do a thing about yours. You can't do a thing about mine. But today we're going to talk about how to get and maintain that tender conscience because it's critical that we do this in this hour. The Christians you know, need to be the ones to wake up. But you're never going to do that if the conscience is not functioning correctly. Uh, we don't want people in condemnation. Condemnation comes from the evil one. It's always directed at the head, the mind, the thoughts, and it always ends up pushing you away from God. You know you're dealing with the conviction of the Holy Spirit when it goes against what the conscience is. You're, you're convicted here, and it always draws you closer to God as a consequence. Amen. On the other hand, if a Christian is doing something that violates the Word of God and the heart of God, they should feel guilty. That's right. And you'd be amazed how many churches now focus on getting people out of guilt. There is a way out of guilt. It's called repentance, confession, amen. amen. <laughs> it's supernatural and it works. But so I'm not going to preach on that because that might, might make somebody feel guilty. When I was in Hopkinsville, I was preaching systematically through Ten Commandments. Everybody said the Ten Commandments. Hey, hey Pastor Art, you still believe in the morality of the Ten Commandments? Yeah. <laughs> and I got to adultery, which was fun. <laughs> and this, this man, right in the middle of the message, jumps up and walks out. I just told the church, I said, you know what? When I'm preaching on adultery, thou shalt not move. <laughs> Nobody knows you. Amen. Just sit there and nod. And you get them, Pastor. You get them. <laughs> See, if we're going to be faith people, we need to be honest about what that means. Yeah. Faith people do the word. Faith people do the urgings. And faith people, what? Have a conscience that's healthy enough to respond to him and do what he says we're supposed to do. It's real simple. If we preach on something and you have guilt, repent of it. Amen. If there's something in a congregation that the pastor talks about, it's not his fault, sir. That's right. That's true. That's exactly right. Amen. So we, we should see having a healthy, tender conscience as one of the biggest blessings you can have. That's right. Say it with me. It's a blessing, it's a blessing. to have a tender conscience. And I don't have the 411 or any individual in this church. If the Holy Spirit wanted to reveal that, he could. I'm just simply saying as a whole, we need to do a quick check. All right, how tender is your conscience? Do you allow things now that even five years, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you did not allow? What's happened? Have you bought into the nonsense that's invaded the church all over America where it doesn't matter about these things? God just loves us. Tolerance is more important than holiness. Can I tell you something? Tolerance is not more important than holiness. No. And faith people should never separate the concept of being separated unto God for good works and living clean in the dirty world. We should never separate that from the faith message. Years ago, Gloria Copeland started teaching heavily on this, and then Jerry Savelle started teaching heavily on this, and they started calling him Holy Jerry because of it. Well, he didn't see it as pejorative. He saw it as a compliment. Yes. Yes. Let's break it down. What does, what does Holy Jerry mean? Keeping the word, keeping the urgings. And when he's convicted, he can sense it in his conscience and repent of it. That's what holy Jerry means. Look at somebody and say, I want to be a holy Jerry. <laughs> Come on, say it. I do the word. I obey the promptings. 
And at time and time, they get convicted. It's a good thing to be able to be convicted. It's a bad thing when you can't feel conviction anymore. Amen. Faith people do the word, they obey the urgings, but they also have a healthy conscience, and when they feel convicted about something, they do something about it. Amen. Come on, say, Lord, I want a tender heart. I want a sensitive heart. Let's dive into this a little bit more today. I'm not going to go in detail over the different kinds of conscience you see in Scripture. I did this on Wednesday night, but I'm just going to mention them to you. Some people have a weak conscience. That means they're easily manipulated or influenced. They're susceptible to condemnation because of a lack of knowledge. Uh, that just simply means that you and I shouldn't go around taking our liberty in front of people who have a weak conscience because we'll cause them to stumble. And how do you understand nothing that we would drink or eat or do is worth causing another brother to stumble? That's where, where real love comes in. A guilty conscience is simple. There's wicked thoughts, words, or deeds in their life. And, of course, we can be cleansed from a guilty conscience through the blood of Jesus. But if, in fact, there's something wrong in your life today, I didn't, I didn't do it, and I'm not convicting you. Does this make sense? If you feel guilty, it's because something's out of bounds in your life. That's not a bad thing. At least your conscience is functioning. A defiled conscience is one that's sullied, spoiled, or corrupt. It's deadened by compromise. Basically, it means this. A defiled conscience is not capable of being convicted, and therefore, it not only can't be convicted, it actually supports and it defends impure behavior. You know your conscience is not only not working, it's defiled when you support and encourage and defend people who have a defiled conscience and behavior as well. No Christian should be screaming support for things that are wicked and evil. Amen. I'm just trying to show love. No, you should, you should love God first. That's your first order. Besides that, if you tell somebody what they're doing is okay, when the Bible says it's not, you're lying to them, and lying to them is not loving them. Come on, shout out. Lying to them is not loving them. Come on, say it again. Lying to them is not loving them. Can I add this? Lying to yourself isn't loving yourself either. Then there's an insensitive conscience. This is where their sensitivity, according to what Paul said in Ephesians, has become, you know, darkened in their thinking and futility. And basically, their hardening of their hearts, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, One and, and they are full of greed. So what happens is you can get to a place not where it's completely dead or not working, but it's insensitive. It's not responding like it used to. And that's what I see in the body of Christ. Say it with me, not responding like it used to. It needs to respond when something's not right. The number five is a seared conscience. This is where we actually shut it down completely, cause it to be dead through our decisions and our behavior. The bottom line is at that point in time, when you have seared your conscience like with a hot iron, you're not capable. It's not functioning at all. And what happens in that case, you have to understand this, you, you cannot have a conscience over, over certain sins when you're proud of the sin. If you're proud of a sin, that tells you right then and there your conscience is not working and you're in danger. Amen. Number five is the seared conscience. Number six is the clear conscience. Say amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This is without condemnation or even a reason to feel guilty. Watch this. There's no condemnation and there's no reason to feel guilty because my conscience is what? It is clear. And you know, since I was a baby preacher, <laughs> some of you can't imagine that, but <laughs> I was a baby once too. Ask my mom, she'll tell you, amen. <laughs> they should give her a saints award just for that alone. Yes, amen. Uh, but I was a, you know, really young in, in, in the things of God and I, I would always encourage people along this line that uh, we have a lot of blessings as being Christians. Amen. Come on, say, we are blessed. We are blessed. We're sitting in comfort and at ease with no threat in the house of God on a Sunday morning. Amen. Say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. But one of the greatest blessings you receive because of what the blood has done for you is you can go to bed tonight and put your head down with a clear conscience. Amen. No value on that. There's no way 
to determine how much that costs, other than to say it cost him his life. Right. Amen? Right. A clear conscience, Paul said it this way, so I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, 2 Timothy 1.3. 1 Timothy 3.9, they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Say a clear conscience. That just means there's no condemnation and there's no reason to feel guilty. In other words, the Spirit of God is not convicting you because there's nothing to convict you of at that moment. Amen. That doesn't mean you're perfect. No. That conviction could come the next day. Yeah. And then there's what the Bible calls a good conscience, healthy and functioning. Say it with me, healthy, healthy. and functioning. A good conscience does not mean you're never convicted. It means it's healthy and it's functioning. Paul said the goal of this command is love which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Paul said holding faith and a good conscience by rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. Someone says, how does somebody go from being on fire for God, thoroughly in love with God, serving God, walking with God in the word in prayer, and then how do they get to the place where their faith is shipwrecked? Since we're talking about being faith people, say return to faith. Let's stop here for a moment and consider this. The way we get shipwrecked in our faith is when our conscience stops working properly. Because eventually you're capable of doing anything. Paul directly ties the health of your conscience to whether you'll shipwreck or not. Can you see why there's concern in my spirit today? Millions of Christians in America with a conscience that's not healthy, not functioning right, they're in danger of shipwrecking their faith. And it goes back to this, this very simple principle. Do the word, obey the urgings, amen, and do what the conviction of the Spirit tells you to do. Well, some people just can't pick up on it anymore. You say, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm never convicted anymore, and I, I think I'm okay with the Lord. Well, that means if you're never convicted, it means you're perfect, and I want your autograph after service. <laughs> want to meet you. Well, if you would say that's obviously ridiculous that I'm perfect or you're perfect, so it must be number two, the Holy Spirit, you're never convicted anymore because the Holy Spirit is retired. If you believe that, come on, say he's not retired. So if you're not perfect and Holy Spirit's not retired, that must mean there's something wrong with our conscience. I'll take an amen from this side and one from this side. A louder one from this side. Say it with me. He's not retired and I'm not perfect. So it's a matter of the conscience. It's not terminal. God can certainly help you with this. Having a good conscience, Peter says, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Go back to that scripture with me. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. How many know love is the ultimate command for you and for me? Amen. Look at somebody and tell them, love God, love, God. love people. Love it's a command. It's not an option. But watch this. Paul says that command being reached, that goal being reached, depends on a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Which means no one can walk in love towards anyone unless they have a working conscience. They can't. You cannot walk in love towards others unless your conscience is working and active. So the first inclination you have <clears throat> to, to hold a grudge a working conscience says, you can't do that. That's not of me. That's right. You spend five years, 10 years, 20 years in bitterness over something. That doesn't tell me about the fact that you were hurt. That's a given. It tells me that you're not walking in love towards that individual or individuals because your conscience is no longer working. See, what we do is we put this love walk thing on everybody else. They should treat me right. <clears throat> they should yeah. talk to me right. <clears throat> they should do right by me. It's all on them. And then I'll love them. Yeah. Well, come out of your fantasy world. Mm -hmm. That's right. 
Not everybody's going to like you, do right by you, say right by you, but you have everything to say about how you're going to respond and you can respond in love if your conscience is working. Every bitter Christian, every unforgiving Christian, every Christian with a grudge tells me right then and there the conscience is not working. And a holy hush fell on the congregation. (laughs) Every bitter Christian, every unforgiving Christian, every Christian with a grudge is telling us the conscience is not working because if I were walking in love, it would mean I have a what good or working conscience. It tells me I can't do anything about what they did to me, but I can still walk in love towards them. And how many know the older you get, the more opportunity you get? It's not rocket science. And the more people you're around, the more opportunity you have. I get tickled when I hear people who come to church, you know, oh, they're so excited, praise the Lord, and then they run into people in the church who aren't perfect. And because they're not perfect, they get put out. I thought I would come to such and such first, whatever, and the people would be perfect. And you're, you're shocked that they haven't arrived yet. They still have warts and attitudes and problems and strongholds and bad days. The only remedy for that is to walk in love. But you can't do that if your conscience isn't working right. So Christian allowing things you shouldn't allow operating in, in height, you know, hatred and, and spite and running their mouths against people and walking around with attitudes and unforgiveness, these things indicate a problem in the conscience. Well, that's just the way it is. You know, people treated me bad and this is the way, this is the outcome. No, you chose the outcome. But you can still choose to have a healthy conscience. Say it with me. Say, say it by faith. I have a clear and a good conscience. In other words, there's nothing, no conviction right now because the Spirit of God is talking to me and walking with me and I'm, I don't have that. I'm not doing anything actively right now to violate His Word or whatever it is. But I also have a working conscience that when in fact I do cross a line, guess what? I shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have done that, whatever the case may be, I can pick up on His conviction to my conscience. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. What do they say about, about sociopaths? You understand what I'm saying to you? Yeah. Someone who, who either deadens or makes insensitive or sears the conscience is capable of anything at that point. Because we are not externally driven or motivated. We are internally what led and inspired by the Spirit of God if the conscience is actually working. There's a lot to this message, but I need to stay focused on this one principle here that... I'll just say this to you. A healthy conscience will serve you in every area of your life. How you want to have a dream and a vision from God? Do you know the same pathway that uh, conviction comes, the same pathway that dreams and visions come? And when you shut down the conviction, you also shut down God's supernatural deposits in your life? I don't want to just stop with visions and dreams. How many of you like getting revelation from the Word of God? How many of you love opening up the Word of God and God's talking to you and giving you a word in season? It's a, it's a special thing. Guess what? The same pathway that conviction comes to you, to your conscience, the same way that dreams and vision come to your conscience, so does revelation. Amen. Shut down the conviction. You can't have dreams and vision. You can't have conviction. You can't walk in victory. This is an important deal. Every person walking out here today, you want to walk out of here knowing you've made this thing right with God. Care what you have or haven't done. That is irrelevant. The goal is not condemnation. The goal is not feeling bad. The goal is not rolling around in the mud. The goal is walking out of here with a clear and working conscience. And I believe God can do that today. It requires you and I being honest about how healthy or unhealthy it actually is. Amen. Say it one more time. I have a clear and a good conscience. My conscience is working in Jesus' name.
five quick principles today for maintaining a soft and clear conscience. And this is such an important deal. I recommend you write them down. If you're not a writer, you're a listener, and you like to listen, then go back and get the, the DVD, go back, the CD, go ahead and get it on the MP3 and, and meditate on these so it will help you today. Number one, see correction and repentance as healthy and positive instead of negative. If you see it as negative, you'll avoid it and justify it. Say it with me. It is positive. It is healthy. See correction and repentance as healthy and positive. Correction is good. Then... Listen to this from Acts 5.31. Has, him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. He did what to Israel? He gave the gift of repentance. Shout out, repentance, repentance. is yeah. a gift. Well, how am I going to repent if I'm not convicted? Guess what? Conviction is also a gift. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. repents. Shout out again, repentance, repentance. Is, a is a gift. Respond to conviction quickly and listen carefully as each suppression will make you more insensitive. I want to say respond quickly. Respond to that conviction with humility and repentance. Some people can't hear that conviction. Some people ignore that conviction. Some of us have gotten really good at rationalizing those convictions away. What we want to do is hear and receive and respond quickly in repentance. Number two, make a daily appointment with God and keep it. Make a daily appointment with God and keep it. This is the only way you're going to have a consistently tender heart. Hebrews 5 says, Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use, say constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. A daily appointment with God. That's where you're going to have strength. That's where the channel is going to be open. That's where you're going to keep a tender heart. The longer you stay out of God's presence, the harder that heart's going to get. Amen? So not only am I going to start seeing conviction and repentance as positive, I'm going to make an appointment with him and do what? And keep it. Turn to somebody and tell them your appointment with God is the most important appointment that you have. Have you ever made a, a doctor's appointment and then sat there for an hour and a half? And But you did it. Amen. And then while you were sitting there, you got on your phone and Googled every symptom that you have. Because you want to help the doctor out when you do go in there, amen? Say it with me. Doctors don't like Dr. Google. The pastors have the same problem, amen? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, theologian Google. Yes, amen. <laughs> but you sat there. And when you got in there, you got a great revelation. Uh, I'm going to give you, uh, <laughs> I'm going to give you a steroid shot. I'm going to give you an antibiotic. Next. So you waited all that time. For an appointment with a physician. Good for you, but how many know waiting on the Lord is even better? Amen. And he doesn't give shots. There's a, there's a uh, clinical outfit in the region, not just here, but in the region. So don't think I'm pointing anybody out in particular. I'm just telling you, this is an organization. This is how they do it. If you go in there and you tell them you have a sore throat, ah, shot. If you have your queasy of the stomach and feel like you have the flu, give them a shot. If you have poison ivy, give it a shot until you find out that shot costs $150 a pop. Uh. Amen. Yes, amen. Are you here today? And uh, that's 
between them and their management. Sometimes somebody might need something besides a shot. Sometimes they need a kick in the pants. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> um, there is no appointment, no time better spent than in God's presence. Amen. And trying to substitute that with works or just attendance in church or just call yourself a Christian, that's not going to keep your, your, your conscience tender before the Lord. Every day in His Word, every day in His presence, every day spending time praising Him, that's how you keep a tender heart before the Lord. Turn to somebody and tell them, make an appointment with God and then keep it. Number three, process hurts immediately. How fast? Immediately. If not, they're going to form rings of spiritual plaque around your conscience. If not, you're going to form rings of spiritual plaque around your conscience. If you're holding on to something somebody did or said about you uh, and you're not processing that quickly, it's going to have adverse effects on your conscience. Process the hurts immediately. Say it with me. I love people. Pray for them. Do good for them. I bless them. Isn't that your first response when somebody does you dirty? To run out and find the first person you can so you can say something nice about them? And yet that's what Scripture tells us to do. Bless means to say what? Something good about them. To curse means to say something bad about them. See, a Christian with a functioning conscience is going to quickly process the hurt because they've understood the damage of pausing and not dealing with that can cause hardness around the heart. Do it quickly. Turn to somebody and tell them, do it quickly. Number four, invite conviction from the Holy Spirit. Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know what? Know my heart. It didn't say know Barbara's heart. No Fred's heart, sick Joe, Holy Ghost. No, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In other words, focus on you instead of everyone else. Amen. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Romans 14, 22. I always have respected the ministry and the example and the legacy and the sermons and those that have been written down of Smith Wigglesworth uh, who understood something here. He once said this. He said, uh, he said, one time I thought I had the Holy Ghost. He said, but now I know the Holy Ghost has me. And we're running around born again, spirit-filled tongue talkers. We've got the Holy Ghost. We got the Holy Ghost. You know what he was saying? There came a time where the Holy Ghost got me. Amen. And that's what we're talking about. Not checking off the salvation, water baptism, Holy Ghost, tongues, boxes. But he has you. Today he has you. Amen. Tomorrow he has you. If he needs to speak to you, then you're going to hear it and act on it because he has you. It's not a little religious experience which is being turned into in the Pentecostal charismatic realm. How spirit-filled are you? How tender is your conscience? I'll tell you how spirit-filled you are. Amen. Amen. Say it. I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Ghost has me. I just don't have him. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Glory to God. Isn't it a good thing to be a believer? Amen. Right? Let me give you this last one. Thank you, Father. Say it with me. Seek correction. Everybody, seek correction and repentance as positive. Make a daily appointment with God. Process hurts immediately. Invite conviction. You mean you want me to ask him to convict me? <laughs> Do you know a healthy Christian doesn't mind doing that? But I have heard with my own ears, Christians in and out of this church, 
My entire experience, my entire Christian life, I've heard Christians pray things like this. Lord, deal with so-and-so. Who do you think you are? That example's not in Scripture. Lord, make them see the light. Tell them to do this certain ministry. You're playing with fire. But I do see Scripture telling us to invite the Holy Spirit's conviction in our own lives. You do not have the prayer of asking God to convict other people. That is not an anointing. But you do have the responsibility, an example, to invite His conviction. How many of you have somebody that needs conviction in your life out there? You know that. That's just not your job. And it's a little bit arrogant for me to go to God telling Him to convict other people and not even recognize the pride in my life doing that. Lord, I'm not like that sinner over there who's beating his breast and crying out to you. Dangerous. Come on, say, my job is to invite conviction into my life, not into other people's lives. Amen. Glory to God. Say it with me. Once I thought I had the Holy Ghost, but now the Holy Ghost has got me. And last, ask God to heal your conscience. Why would you need healing of the conscience? You know the Bible says in Psalm 103, He forgives all of our sins. And He heals all of our diseases. You might be here today and you've got a physical disease. You might be here today and there's something going on in your emotions and you just seem like you're having a really hard time. You know, people go through that. I had a staff member here that uh, would contact me every time it got about this part of the year. And um, she had just asked for special prayer because she knew that this was a time of the year for whatever reason the enemy would come after her emotions and come after her life. And we prayed and took communion over that and it got better. But I'm telling you that these things are very real in people's lives. Anxieties and oppression going on, it's real. Some of you right now, even now, are under a dark cloud and don't even know why. You should be happy, thrilled, joyful. You should be thankful with everything God has done in your life. Despite everything, you're still on top and on the bottom, but you can't even explain why, like Eeyore, that cloud hangs over your head. There are spiritual forces out there that are against you. And it doesn't mean you're a nut. But you do need some spiritual influence and some, some revelation and some anointing to deal with that. You could have... You could have emotions today. People got all freaked out in the 80s and 90s when ministers started talking about, you know, God healing your emotions. God doesn't heal your emotions. Listen, every dimension of man can be healed by the Almighty God. He made you and He can fix you. And if you're having an emotional issue, your God can heal that as well. If your mind's not functioning right, come on, say it. He fixes minds. Say it. He fixes minds. Now turn to your neighbor and say, see, I told you there was hope for you. He fixes minds. He don't care about that. He just saves our souls and we go to heaven. No. Every dimension of man, he's able to heal. He forgives all of our sins and heals all of our diseases, diseases, afflictions, physical pains, infirmities, things that are broken in any area of life. And I'm all for it. Amen. I've I've been preaching healing in this church since the first Sunday I walked into this church. And I will always preach about divine health and divine healing, the supernatural ability of God to heal His people. And usually it centers around something physical. We understand that. God does that. But I'm telling you that there are a massive number of people and they don't all have cancer and they all don't have heart disease. They all don't have some emotional crippling thing going on. Their minds are not discombobulated. They don't have, you know, bipolar. Lots of people, you know, are dealing with things, but they don't have all that. But you know what the majority of Christians these days, it seems have a consciousness that's nearly as sensitive as it used to be. They need 
healing of that conscience. Look, um, two great scriptures to read and study this week on your own, Psalm 51 and Psalm 32. I'm going to read a portion of Psalm 32 for you. But some people say, what's, what's happened with people, even Christians, that suddenly they're so negative on Facebook and Twitter and blah, blah, blah. Can I help you with this? They were already negative. It's just that somebody gave them a voice. And they use it. Amen. I saw this little clip of this young lady. She looked like Taylor Swift, the musician. And they asked her to be in a music video because they were kind of parodying different artists. I didn't see the video of her doing this, but she sat there asking Steve Harvey in tears, why are kids so mean to each other? And how can we get them to stop being mean? Because they started shaming her. They said, yeah, you're, you're Taylor if you're a fat Taylor Swift. Could you imagine? Somebody saying something like that. And that person probably went to church the day before. And he said, I don't know what to tell you about that. This is the way it is. He said, I can tell you this, that social media is the devil's playground. And all it's done is give haters a voice when they didn't have anything. I understand that. But I'm just going to lay it out there for you. Matthew 18 tells us if you have a problem, you go to that brother or sister. That's what scripture says to do. Backing up to Matthew, if you go to the altar and you're about to leave your gift and you remember somebody has aught with you, what does it say to do? Go get reconciled. Listen to your conscience and go get reconciled. Then come back and, and do your church thing. Act like everything's okay. Amen. Give in the offering. Pay attention to the sermon. You know, live your Christian life, but don't ignore that. But let's say that doesn't happen. That person who has done wrong does not come to you. You go to them. Listen to me carefully. Slamming somebody on Facebook, whether they're alive or dead, is the epitome of a conscience that's broken. People with a sensitive conscience do not use any avenue, any voice to do this if they're truly Christian with a conscience that's working. Amen. It's common today to accuse everybody of everything, slander everyone, cancel everyone. And oftentimes the knives don't even really come out until the person's dead. Well, I got a message for you. If you didn't have the character and guts to address it when the person was alive, how dare you say something now that they're dead and can't defend themselves? Amen. Only a very hard conscience would dare do something like that. You say, well, I was hurt, I was wounded, I was offended. Granted, you might have been but that does not give you the right to violate the principles of Scripture and in doing so, you've proven something's not working in here, not in the one you're slandering. That's it. Amen? Remember the Scripture? Work out your own salvation with? What? Fear and trembling. You may not have a broken arm today or a heart that's not working or cancer, whatever it is, but God can heal the conscience just like He can any part of your life. Come on, say, he is, he is a healer. And the healer's in the house. The Come on, say, he's a healer. He's a healer. And the healer's in the house. The and when you and I are doing things, saying things, involved in things that we should not feel good about, we should have guilt or conviction about, we have a problem in this area, and we need to get it fixed. Fortunately, we know somebody who can do it. Hey, he made your conscience. So he can fix it. And turn to Psalm 32 for a moment. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Lord. It's good to be in the house of God. God. Turn to your neighbor and say, how are them toes doing? Come on, shout it out. I am enjoying this message. I love this message. Praise Praise the Lord. Never been more joyful. You know, attitude changes everything, doesn't it? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I, I love Psalm, uh, Psalm 32. And I just want to start at verse 1. Follow along with me on your device or your Bible. Blessed is he whose transgressions are 
Forgiven. Forgiven. His sins are what? Covered. When your conscience is clean, you're blessed. Amen. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. These are all conscious issues. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Here's a person under conviction. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I what? The psalmist is under conviction. Is that bad or good? That's good? It is a positive and healthy thing. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. I'm telling you there are power in these words. Power when they come out of your mouth. When you agree with what the psalmist said as well as the, the spirit behind it, Great things happen when you're in the middle of a situation where maybe you stepped across the line. He said, I will confess. Shout it out to me. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. You see the conviction, but you also see here the response. You also see the result of the repentance and the confession. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while he may be found. Everyone whose conscience still works and you have something bothering you, pray to him while you can. Thank God your heart is not hard. You're not disqualified. Or thank God we haven't run out of time. Amen. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they'll not reach him. You are my hiding place. You'll protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. We look at that and we go, let's pull that out of, out of context and apply that to our lives. He's my hiding place, praise the Lord. He's your hiding place if when you're under conviction, you admit it and repent of it. Amen. He's not the hiding place for someone whose conscience no longer works. Come on, say context, context. is everything. I'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Don't be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle. They will not come to you. Guess what? That's not the way we're supposed to live. We are supposed to live by the leading and direction of the Holy Spirit and conviction when we step outside the lines. Can I have a good amen? Amen. Watch this. The same way conviction comes is the same way revelation comes is the same way that vision comes. Amen. If it's not working for one, it's not working right for others. And some of y'all just had a little light bulb go off. Why? Things don't seem to go well. We've got to obey what the Spirit of God is saying to us. And thank God if it's working, but if it's not, He can heal us and He can do it today. Come on, stand and give Him a big hand clap and thank Him for that.